This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot Hello, Dave. Hi, Ed. Thank you so much for agreeing to take part in the podcast. This will make a lot of people very, very happy. So again, thank you very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Who did you support as a child and who were your childhood football heroes? Uh, Man United, uh, Georgie Best, basically. I remember black and white TV. Um, the um, the first games I ever watched, uh, I thought he was called Best. Um, uh, he just used to dribble through these. And I thought, who's this guy? He's just brilliant. And... Uh, that got my interest into into football, basically. So, are we talking those early days of winning the European Cup, or is it more into yeah, the seventies? Yeah, that was it. Sixty-six. My first interest really in football was sixty-six. Um, I went on holiday to uh, Real, as we we tended to. That that sort of an area, North Wales. We had family there, and they got us um, a book to you know to occupy us for the journey from uh, Livingston Telling. So it was probably a couple of hours back in the day. Um, and uh, World Cup Willie it was, and uh, obviously I thought uh, supporting England that um, every every time we we won either the World Cup or the Europe and supporting Man United, the European Cup was uh, was it was it sixty seven or sixty eight they won I can't remember now at Man United, uh, but obviously sixty six with uh, England. Um, so 
it it was uh, it, it got my interest uh, particularly, and I loved I loved uh, kicking a ball around really. Yeah, and that leads nicely to my next question: What are your memories of playing football as a youngster before you go into any serious level of football? What, what are your memories of, of playing? And what was football like in terms of? Did you just play for your school and with your mates, or were you in a in a team? Um, played for school. Um... Uh, the junior school before you go to senior school, and I remember we we had a great team. We won uh, we won everything in the area, and we took on the team uh, from uh, Heighton, uh, which normally a Liverpool team they they tended to to win, and we we beat them. So uh, went from there to um, a school that was just outside Liverpool, Amsterdam Tellings, but we all went to. Prescott, which was a grammar school when I went, but it became comprehensive, which was a relief for me because uh, all the schools around my way were rugby schools, um, um, rugby union schools. So, and, and obviously um, further in was rugby league. Um, so I played in the school team all the way through and then uh, around about, well, my father ran, um, the kids all around our area talked to me into um Having a local team, so we, we we had that as well. Um, but then around about sixteen, I started training with Liverpool um, in the playing in the U team with Sammy Lee, um, and uh, played in the A and B team for about three years. And the U team enjoyed it immensely, training on Tuesday and Thursday nights. So I used to have to get, I think, three buses there and four buses home. So <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely um, something that. That, that a lot of people probably wouldn't do these days, but um, I didn't. I did really enjoy it. It, it was. Um, it, it wasn't nice on a cold winter night when it was raining, waiting at bus stops and stuff. But um, yeah, it was. There was good times, and then I, I decided to go to university um, when I probably could have signed um, at Liverpool. And, uh, but you know, we all make these decisions and. Uh, and uh, that's what I did. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So we're talking about Liverpool, one of the greatest eras in Liverpool history. And you went to university, which I think, like, nowadays it's a no-brainer probably because of all the financial side of football. But back then, how realistic was it to become a pro at that stage? And, you know, not everybody went to university either back then. So, um, yeah, because my dad was a glass cutter. Um, we wasn't really that way inclined in terms of like you know education or anybody been to university before in any way shape or form um but um the uh the guy who was in charge of us um was an, at liverpool was an ex-headmaster he was very keen on people getting their um their uh, their education and um he sort of was was very much encouraging people to do as well as they could because i remember me and sammy lee did our O levels and he failed all his and I, I never forget it that uh, it was Tom Saunders he was called an old headmaster and he said uh, to Sammy um, when one door closes another one opens and uh, you know I was thinking poor Sammy like and the next thing like Sammy's playing you know <laughs> playing European Cup finals for Liverpool and uh, I, I, I he would have stayed on school uh, and uh, <laughs> And not signed his apprentice. Uh, I mean, they, they they wasn't offering him apprentice um, um, at that time, and they only did because that's uh, that's what happened. Because um, we used to play against each other at school. He went to 
school called SFX, which was a sort of a Catholic grammar school, and uh, uh, we played against each other all the way through same year. Uh, so he he obviously um, out of a, a failure uh, became um, you know a superstar. Yeah. Well, Tom Saunders is a part of the famous boot room, isn't he? What what was he like? He was great. Yeah, he was very. You know, he's very candid. He'd say it like it was. Um, it was an interesting time to be there because we'd go in the school holidays and um, uh, we'd train, and then at, at, for the last sort of half an hour, you'd, tra- you'd the kid, the young lads like we was coming from school. We'd train with staff, so we you'd train with uh, Bob Paisley, um, you know, Ronnie Moran, all, all these guys, and um, it it was. Um, there was an old, old boy there, George. I forgot what his name was. And there's another guy, George, who took us in the B team, and yeah, there was good times, you know, because you, you you went to Anfield, um, so I had to get a train to to Liverpool, or train from a bus to, into Stellan to get a train into Liverpool. Um, I had to get a bus up to Anfield from centre of Liverpool, and then you got changed and you got the coach and you went to Melwood. And then you trained, and then you went back. She so was on the coach with all these guys, you know. Like that's just, it's just you'd, 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 it's hard to, you know, uh, to describe. But that that's how it was. And then they fed you afterwards. You'd have a shower, and uh, and they gave you food. And you'd have to be, you know, go and sit at a table. And like, you know, there's there's like uh, Alan Hansen for uh, Phil Thompson there's uh, Graeme Souness there's Kenny Dalgleish it's, you know I have to sit with them you know it's like you know God it was quite quite daunting <laughs> that's a lot of commitment for a Manchester United fan to go to Liverpool as well well they took us to the <laughs> FA Cup final it was I think it was Man United Liverpool it was and um, uh, they paid for everything and uh, obviously I was a Man United supporter so Man United won I think 2-1 and I was like you know like cheering for United, and they wasn't very, very, very happy about that. They were sort of saying it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, the dumb thing when Liverpool had paid for you to go down there and everything else to be sport Man United. But you know, it, in them days, you just you did what you did, didn't you? I never, I never thought it was true. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, what did you do at university? Curiously, economics. Lovely. And do you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. Three great years. Met some great friends. Uh, still friendly with now that I go down to Cheltenham to see um, every every sort of March at the festival, and um, I still see one of the guys who was at uh, Swindon, Kieran O'Regan. He's always he's always uh, there. We always meet up in the Arco Bar, and, and, and as we did this year, and because uh, I said to him, "Oh, but we can't can't shake hands and all that stuff." And he goes, come here, big man, give us a... And I think, oh, God, that's... Uh, well, we might as well forget all that. You know, that was... Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, we've kept... Uh, I keep, still keep in touch with them. Uh, like we did a Zoom over the, uh, over the, over the period and we, we meet up and have a drink and stuff. So, uh, yeah, some, some very good friends and, um, yeah, three, three good years. Wasted, probably, football-wise. But I did, uh, I did play for British students who went to play in the World Student Games in Mexico. So that was, um, that was a, good, a good experience. 
this is what I love about talking to footballers because in the 10 minutes that we've talked, you've discussed, you know, playing for Liverpool. Yeah, I used to play alongside Bob Paisley in training. And then, and then yeah, I went to Mexico with British universities to play football, but it just isn't as big a deal as maybe us fans sort of consider that. Um, so when did you start playing for St. Helens Town? Was it after university or did you do it while you were still studying? Yeah, while I was still at university, yeah, I did play for very long. I played for them in Winsford, um, short period of time because they're, they're us to play I think um, Altrincham asked us to play for them as well um, that was in a time when I don't know whether you guys had, uh, remember a guy called Johnny King mm-hmm. um, he was quite a, quite a character I trained with him for a, for a while but it was it was too much commitment coming up and down you know to uh, to do that Hoddle and Moncair combining in the middle of the field now David Kersley good ball for Ling good effort Three minutes to half time. Martin Ling's first goal of the season gives Swindon Town the lead. University of Leicester, economics degree, and not playing much football. So, how did you find yourself back going towards becoming a professional? Oh yeah, I played a lot of football. Uh, the guy who, the guy who spotted me, who took me to Blackpool, uh, was a guy who ran the. the the team that was the British students uh, football team um, he took me and a lad called Wayne Harrison there which was quite interesting because at the time um, I had another few clubs interested in me Millwall went and trained with them for um, for a few weeks and Port Vale and and then the day before I went to sign for Blackpool um, which was in my second year, end of my second year. Uh, they phoned me up from Liverpool and went and seen Tom Saunders, and he said, um, you know, we want you to sign for us on a six-month period um, to see how it goes. You know, we pay good money, this, that, and the other. And I was a bit, I, I was just thinking that, you know, so few people made it at Liverpool, and uh, I didn't really know. I know if I'd known what I know now, I'd have probably got gone down that that road. But I just thought a three-year contract, you know, it's going to give me that bit of security that if it doesn't work out initially or get injured or you know early, there's, there's that time of a contract that I'll I'll do. And if it being a lesser team, I'd have a better chance of getting in the first team. So that was my thinking, you know. Mm. But it's Blackpool where you go in the end, as you say. There, third-tier football team. Was it Stan Turner that that signed you? It was, yeah. yeah, but basically it was the this guy, uh, 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 Roy Reese, who, um, who who was friendly with the chairman who, who, who sort of did the deal. Sure. So because you're coming into the pro game a bit later, although you're still very long, it's a bit later, did you avoid all sort of the boot room stuff, all the all the chores and all the cleaning and things like that, or did, did you have yeah. that as well? I avoided all that, yeah. Lovely stuff, well done. <laughs> we out when it was at... Uh, at Liverpool, when we were in as kids, we 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 you know we got friendly with you know some apprentices, but um, you know on on that side of it, yeah, we just came, I just came straight in as a as a pro, so I didn't I didn't do any of that stuff. What were, what were the fellow pros like? Because you know, reading stuff about footballers in the nineties, for example, if you had any sort of education, a lot of players seemingly felt threatened by that and mocked them and teased them and things like that did you did you get that as well or was it was it all fine yeah of course you did you um i mean it was it was a hard hard um you know existence in in many ways it it, 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 
there was hardened people, you know. There was pros. We was just like kids coming in who played at it, you know. University, it's it's quite. I mean, it, it, there was some nasty things went on in uh, in Mexico when I went to World Shoot Games when we played um, Algeria. I think they put their national team in, and he didn't know these things, but they basically stamped them all as um, as uh, students and played the national team. <laughs> these things went on which we didn't know about. Um, and they was they was pretty ruthless, um, um, but the lads there as well was fairly ruthless because obviously it was a dog eat dog uh, thing where you know you, you, everyone's a threat to you and uh, and you want to keep your 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 place in the team. And I didn't realise how aggressive and tough it tough it was, and it, it did take a period of time. You know, I'm, I'm a big lad, but it was um, it was a different um, different mentality, different. Um, Physically, in terms of um, you know looking after yourself, you, you certainly have to, to fight your own corner. Sure. The first, well, your first stint at Blackpool, you're managed by a World Cup winner, aren't you? I mean, from someone who mentioned '66, and that was one of the early sort of moments of you connecting with football, and then being managed by Alan Ball. Um, what was that like? Because I mean, you worked with Alan a few times in your career, don't you? Yeah. Well, initially, I did. I did. I did like the guy. He was very enthusiastic. They, they came in and it was very organised. They had a goalkeeper coach. They had, uh, you know, there was a lot of money spent on on the um, on, on the on everything. The training was um, was good, albeit it was very, you know, based around the things that he liked, which was one touch football and, um, you know, so as a big centre forward, when you want to be doing some finishing and. You know, practice some editing, but we never sort of got that that side of it. He always liked the the smaller, quicker, nimble. That was his his the people that was in his his ilk. But he didn't understand and appreciate. Um, I think the balance of a football team, and I think that was one of his problems. And he also couldn't appreciate the the fact that that people weren't as good as him in terms of you know his ability to. Uh, see things, see the picture early to to, to do the things that, that he did, um, and he found it difficult to to accept limitations of players in that division. I think that was his ultimate downfall, really. Yeah, and I think you're referring to the fact that during his time, Blackpool do indeed get relegated to the fourth division. But in a way, that works to your benefit because your two standout seasons or your break out seasons are the two and the fourth before you move on aren't they yeah it was a bit more relaxed then we um, the players went so I got a, a game regularly and um, I got on with a manager who was more laid back um, sort of uh, trusted me and and and, and basically um, showed confidence in me and and I think that that helped me rather than the pressure uh, that uh, the the ball he used to put upon you um, was was a bit too daunting when you're just starting off. I think. Yeah, sure, appreciate that, and I think it's a sign of the times, really, that you know Blackpool, uh, you're doing very well individually, but the team struggles in the fourth division. But despite that, you get signed to the first division, which I don't think really happens now, does it? You know, if somebody's doing well in like. 20th place 21st place in the in the in league two they're not necessarily going to get a potential first team place in the first division so you join Coventry in 1983 which is first division club I mean that must have been an insane process of going from one to the other that's a huge jump 
it, it was, but I never, it never phased me. I didn't really ever think that I wasn't good enough. Um, now, whether people say that's confidence, big-headedness or what, I don't know. But when I was at Blackpool, um, Chelsea came in for me and unfortunately I fractured my pelvis and it didn't get it didn't get uh, diagnosed properly. And I got, I, I got treated very badly at Blackpool um, for quite a long time. They didn't believe me that I got injured because they knew that Chelsea had come in for me. And they thought I was, I was just um, uh, messing about to try and get a move to Chelsea, which was just ridiculous. Um, and of course, Kerry Dixon signed for them. They got promoted and, uh, and that went by the way. So when Coventry came in, uh, there'd been sort of... Um, um, club sniffing around before Leeds was was um, was one um, different different clubs go. I sort of expected to go, but obviously going to the, the first division was um, was brilliant because that's that, that's what I, I, I wanted. So, and when I went there, he had Bobby Gould had amassed some some other lads from from lower divisions. So, I think some of the lads who who were there was a little bit looking down the nose at you, um, <laughs> but. Um, there's quite a few of us that came from from lower league, so it, it, it was it, it probably helped. And I got on I got on well with quite a few of the guys. Well, probably mo- you know, virtually most of the guys there, and, and you know that, that that does help that you you know you you, you you get on with the lads. Yeah, and you know teammates include ex Swindon players Dave Bennett, T- Terry Gibson. You got Sam yeah. Allardyce there. You got Stuart Pearce's first league club Mickey Jin you know Coventry City legend a real sort of like foundations of what they achieved to to win the FA Cup in the in later in the decade I mean what's it like going from sort of the low crowds of the fourth division I mean playing in front of 35,000 at White Hart Lane and scoring it scoring the one and only goal in a 1-0 win against Arsenal at Highbury I mean that that's ultimately why you guys play football for those moments aren't they yeah, uh, I, I mean, all them guys were were, good, were all all you know my my good friends there. I shared a house with Stuart Pearce, and uh, and you know funny stories I can tell you the day the day he came out. I was good friends with Mickey uh, uh, Mickey Adams, and he he came in and he was injured, and uh, and Pearcey came in and we played this game with four four nets, and it's a little bit complicated. You, just, you attack one side, when you score, you go attack the other way, and he couldn't. He couldn't get, get get his head round it at all, and, and Mickey's on, on the train with chamber comes in. He says, uh, what, "What's the new boy like?" I said, oh, "You don't need to worry." I says, "He hasn't got a clue. He's honestly a poor lad. He's out of his depth." And then Percy went on to that, and I was good pals with him, and we showed house um, till I left. And uh, the um, you know, I, I I didn't feel any any pressure of the the crowds or or, or anything at all. It just he never he never bothered me at all. No. I mean, I, I wasn't fully aware of your Liverpool connection. So, you know, this is Liverpool, one of probably their best seasons. But you played in a game against Liverpool where Coventry won 4-0. That must have felt good. Don't be modest. It was brilliant, honestly. <laughs> it was incredible. I uh, I can remember it really vividly. And there's, and, and there's not many games I remember vividly these days. I can remember the lad, uh, the ball was on the line, and one of the lads who signed from um, from a lower league game, I've forgotten his, his name for a second. He he headed it in off the floor, and then little Terry Gibson uh, scored that trick. And like um, I used to sort of like sort of he'd play off me, and I'd sort of like basically assist him quite a bit with the goals and, and different things. With and uh, of course like 
he's it's three nil and all he has to do is like chip it across to me and I've got an open goal and he, he decides to bend it right round the top corner to Grobler. Uh, I think it was Grobler. Yeah. Um, and uh, and like oh great Patrick well done but I'm sort of like <laughs> thinking, you know could have given me a goal like you know I was so wanting to put the score against Liverpool and then I think there was about five minutes left and uh, there was uh, a bit of some something happened and anyway next thing uh, I got hit from behind in my hamstring and I thought oh, Jesus what's that as soon as hit me <laughs> stood from from behind and nearly nearly killed me. Uh, and I, I got I had to go off injured. I, I, I thought I'd, I'd done something bad. Anyway, it was it was okay. But I can remember going in uh, afterwards. And I spoke to Sammy and I said, "I don't oh, well, I don't know what allowed to say here, but um, I say said, what you want." <laughs> that 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 beast soundness. I says uh, I said if uh, obviously I thought I'd play in the next game. I said we're playing against you lot. Oh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have that. So like, and uh, he said, Dave. Don't 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 bother. He said he would kill his grandma for a round. He, he's, he's you just don't want to get involved with him. He's a, and and to be fair, like he, he was a, he was a proper tough guy, wasn't he? He, he never. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody really got the better of him. But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a great day. I, I ran in the changing rooms after, and they was all sort of nice about it. But they they, they wasn't they wasn't happy because that that never happened. That never yeah. happened. No, not at all. Again, you know, I don't think it ever did. No, no, it, it was, it's a real remarkable. It's like when um, Southampton beat Manchester United in the nineties considerably. You know, like this this result shouldn't happen. Yet here we are. And um, Coventry had that in them. I mean, I know, like at the end of the season, they ultimately don't get a great place. They don't go down. They just avoid relegation. But just the sheer fact that they could give, I mean, Manchester United, I think you played in a game against them and I'm just thinking of your past that you get, you know, you only get like three quarters of a season in the top flight, but you managed to tick off all these teams from your, from your upbringing in football, which, you know, is, is a decent enough consolation as far as I would be concerned, but I'm not a player, you know? Yeah, I was, I think really, you know, you look at things in hindsight and, you know, I, I was I didn't. I didn't have a lot of luck in uh, in, in a lot of situations. Um, when I was at Coventry, the obviously the Arsenal game was the highlight. The because uh, I remember the goal like it was yesterday. Uh, Ashley Grimes crossed it from the uh, from the left, and I hit it on the volley. It actually wasn't a header. Um, I, I volleyed it, and, and Pat Jennings was in goals. And Pat Jennings just went like that and just picked <laughs> the ball out of the net. He never moved because it, when it when it come off my foot. It literally went like an exercise. It just hit the back of the net. And it was like, and uh, I gave um, was David O'Leary was it? I gave him yeah, a right yeah. running that day. But I um, I kept getting this sort of um, this illness, like a, this virus or something, uh, this really high temperature and um, uh, sweating and shivering. And they couldn't find out what it was. And they took um, took eight, uh, all my wisdom teeth out. In one go in hospital, and I was in on bed rest for a week. Then they took a gland out of my groin. Um, they tried all all these things, and so I think having to stay two, two separate weeks in hospital, um, I think they just decided I was probably a bit of a of a risk, um, and and they they, had, they was in, in a bit of free fall at the time. So. Uh, Walsall came in for me, and I always used to be of the opinion if somebody wants to sell you, then they're probably not going to play you, so you might as well go. But I think I probably should have just tucked him for another season, and even if I played in the reserves for um, for, for a while, if I'd just got that that physical strength and fitness back up, I think I, I think I could have done better. But you never know. 
Yeah. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Who who was the toughest centre-back in the top flight you played against? In the top flight? Yeah. I'd probably say Gaz Rob, Roberts. He, he, I played against him and I just held the ball up. And he just comes straight through from behind and, and I, I just got carried off with my ankle. I just He just like just... Oh, it just went went right over on it. Um, so he, he was a bit of a tough cookie, and I played. I tell you, I did play against quite a lot. It wasn't in the first division, but it was first division uh, in the reserves quite a bit. Uh, Mickey Droy, do you remember him? He he was he was he was a pretty tough geezer. He was he was the one person that I had to literally look up to, and he was massive. <laughs> I, I think because I didn't know about the virus side of things. Because when when you look at ex-players careers you start thinking well what's gone on here because like I said you go from the fourth division to the first and then three quarters in you you match winner in the top flight of places like Highbury you know you're doing more than adequately and then you go down to the third division and it, it you know it, it, again with the modern mindset it just doesn't happen anymore does it I mean Walsall come in and this these two seasons for you where you go from Walsall to Portsmouth and then you spend a little bit of time at Trelleborg. Are you going through the motions at this stage or are you just encountering some bad luck or is it just not happening for you? Um, well, I scored two on my debut um, for Walsall and then we got beat um, home by Oxford. Oxford um, was a good team. They got promoted. Uh, we didn't. Uh, there wasn't a lot in it. Uh, but they had a very good team. I think they went and nearly beat... Um, Everton in the, the League Cup, um, I think it was something like 3-2. Beat them QPR, didn't they? Uh, yeah, uh, and they, they had a very good team, so they that they got promoted. And then in pre-season, uh, I was playing a home game against Leicester, and I just, balls played up to me, I controlled it, and I passed it out to the winger, and as I did, somebody came in from behind, and my standing foot, they just, sort of smashed me and my knee just sort of went round and I'd hurt, I actually physically heard something tear and like a bit like some curtains tearing and I thought, oh God, yeah, I'm, I'm in agony and uh, I came off and then it seemed to ease off. So I went back on the, and, and played on. I remember um, it was a Friday and I didn't, want to, I didn't want to like stay down for the weekend. I wanted to go back up to Blackpool. And uh, anyway, I, I, I got in the car, went up to Blackpool. And when I went to get out of the car, my knee was like three times the size of what it should be. And uh, so I had to go back down and, um, and, and have an op in the week. And they, cl- they cleaned it out and, and said there was no damage. And I, I thought, no damage? Like, you know, it's impossible. Like... We didn't really have a proper physio, so I didn't get any rehabilitation or get looked after, and they was doing poorly, and I was the money, big money signing, so I just got pushed into playing when when I just wasn't wasn't fit. I was, you know, when I was the ball was getting played up to me, I was thinking like my knee, it doesn't feel strong enough. For, if somebody comes in, it felt like it was snapped, that like as though it was held together with a piece of of cotton sort of thing. So I sort of basically lost my confidence really. Um, and um, and then when we we went to Portsmouth, me and a lad called Paul Segrew, um, we when we got there, we got to, we, the we got to find out that basically we'd been bought to to bolster the reserves. Oh. So that wasn't that wasn't great. Uh, that was a bit of fun. But whatever I did at, at, at Portsmouth, I, I did play. I think three games, and then I got I, I, again. I, I was I was a bit cursed with the uh, with, with illness. I got I, I got a bit of a bit of a flu thing and. Uh, and they 
the lad who came in, they won. And I, I, did, I just didn't, didn't get back in. But uh, that was Alan Ball, and he didn't really particularly fancy me. I don't actually know why why he signed me, to be honest with you. Yeah, fair enough. And you have a little spell in Sweden, which is nice. Is that just like, you know, maybe a, a generation before you, a lot of people went to America and played in the summer just to keep fitness, etc., and make money. Was was Trelleborgs just a way of keeping fit ahead of a, a new season? I just got asked to go and thought we'd go. Me and my wife, uh, it was, it was uh, in summer, so um, I thought, you know, why not? Um, but really... You know, we'd I'd not trained for like four four weeks or so, five weeks. You go straight over there and start playing. Um, uh, it, it it wasn't probably the right thing to do because I ended up with a sort of quite a bad groin strain that took took me ages to to get over. Probably from playing without training, which was was a silly thing really. But um, yeah. In hindsight, I probably should. It, it was a bit of a silly thing to do because when I got over there. I, I realised that there was there was about twelve points behind everybody else, and just like you know, give them a chance to to sort of stay up. Like, don't blame me. It's like it's just impossible, <laughs> you know. But anyway, there's lovely people, lovely people. We had a good story from there. I uh, played the first game and uh, went out with all the the, the 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 lads went out with the girlfriends. So we all go out. So I so I'll go to the bar and buy buy the drinks. So I took like hundred quid out with us for you know meal and the drinks, which you'd think you'd think you know back in them days it's enough. I goes to the bar, get gets around in, uh, freaking hell, it's more than hundred quid for beers. Uh, so I had to borrow some money. How embarrassing off the lads that I'm coming as the main thing to to pay him because like the like, drink was so expensive, uh, food and everything over there. So uh, it was like about three times. So basically, I thought I was getting decent money over there. Ended up like. Uh, not, not doing, not doing, uh, not doing well out of it because the cost of living was just, just incredible. <laughs> Far side is Bowden. Bowden's cross up in the air. Belgate punches away. Comes to McLaren who hits it through a crowd of players and he's found the net. That could well be the winning goal with just three and a half minutes remaining of extra time. Ross McLaren, his third goal of the season second in the Littlewoods Cup through a crowd of Bolton players and into the back of the net. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. So that brings us to Swindon, which, as I said there, was was a loan move. Um, I've collected the, the memories and questions from six or seven Swindon fans on him. We start with Sutton Red. It's not a question, it's an observation. He says, if you didn't see Dave live yourself, he was one of those players that you hated when he played for the opposition. And he was delighted when you signed. What are your memories of, of that early joining of Swindon? When I was at Portsmouth, Lee used to phone me weird times of the night like 11 30 and i'd be, be in bed i have to get out of bed like and it, it'd always be worth it because lou give you like a he'd say what you fancy on the horses and you say oh i fancy this thing so now back this tomorrow and like nine times out of ten they, they, they'd win so I'd, I'd you know so i got to i got to find out many years after why he used to phone us at that time because he'd made inquiries about me and um i think sam ellis had told jim smith who was the manager at Oxford, that I was an alcoholic. 
which was nice of him. Uh, so Lou was doing his homework, as he always did, and you know how much he didn't like anybody drinking, um, about me because, um, uh, but he'd, he'd, um, he was friendly with, uh, was, it, was it Ashley Grimes? I can't think of it. Uh, no, what's the other lad called? Yeah, it was Ashley Grimes, wasn't it? Ashley knew me from uh, Coventry days, so he sort of said that I was I was a good lad and that. So, um, so when I uh, when I signed, I'd spoke to them a number of times. They've been trying to do a deal, and I, obviously I was hoping to come because uh, I wasn't getting a game there, uh, and I really wanted to come and play, um, uh, play, albeit I was a bit reluctant to to drop down again. But it was um, it was an opportunity to to play and start again as it were yeah no more heroes uh, says he remembers you winking towards the crowd after winning a penalty during one of your early games which might have been your debut against mansfield which is lovely stuff yeah i was i was quite adept at doing that i just, <laughs> just sort of like just be able to just touch it past people as they come in and just let them let let them follow through i mean i, I used to tempt people into it i, I was a little art that i had People just say I, I was I was diving, but I, I wasn't. I was just basically suckering people in, and if they want to stick the, stick the foot there, then, you know, I just knock it past them. Then that that's that's their problem. So I got, I got many a penalty, uh, many a penalty. I used to. I, I actually spoke to somebody about this a, uh, a while back, and I said I bet there's not many people who got. Uh, I think I was playing Paul at the time. I got two penalties at Ellen Road at Ellen Road. Uh, so, it's not there's not not many people done that. Well, you yeah, you are definitely ahead of me in this because yeah, one of the most common questions that I got when I reached out to people, Stuart Ash, I would love to know how many penalties he's won. Um, AJ Walker, what percentage of penalties given were nailed on? And Leap um, asks, did you practice falling in a realistic way? It's an art form, isn't it? <laughs> It's an art form. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was there before the uh, before the foreign players came. I, I had an art of doing it, but I didn't, I didn't ever dive. I, I can't honestly say that I ever dived. I just basically suckered them in, and uh, and if if that's uh, an art that you've got, then I, I don't think it's an illegal thing. It's just something that you know, stupid, you know, big defenders are going to stick the, the foot out. Then you know, that's uh, that's their problem. Yeah, it's just something that's not as... I mean, in places like Brazil, it's not an issue. It's just a part of the game. But there's something about the notion of diving or, you know, um, if you feel that connection, you go down or tricking, whatever you like to call it. It's just something that seems to be a British thing that we hate so much, but the rest of the world does it happily. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, I I don't... I don't. Uh, I don't agree. Uh, uh, I don't endorse anybody. Anybody diving, but I didn't basically. Uh, I didn't do. I didn't do do diving. I I, I. I fell down on the on the basis of somebody kicking me. So if somebody sticks a leg out and, and makes a connection with me, all right. That you could say there may be times where if I'd have really tried, I might have been able to stay up, but. To, to not to not stay to stay on my feet is it because um, uh, I'm not saying I used to throw myself to the floor. I'm just saying is if if somebody's tripped me and I'm I'm, I'm going down, then that's it. It's it's the, it's the <laughs> problem. But I've never dived. I've never actually gone no contact, fall on the floor. That I do not agree with. Yeah, I I think it's quite frustrating for especially modern footballers with with like the amount of 
technology and you know slow motion sort of stuff because a lot of people something slow down as as much as they can do now it always looks like a dive or they've or they've uh, made a meal of it but momentum and the speed that some of these guys go one little clip and you're going down aren't you yeah you are and when you see sometimes when somebody's coming in and they're really coming in at you and they start lunging if you don't like basically dive over their legs then they're going to bloody break your leg. You know, there's many times you have to take evasive action for for necessity of um, <laughs> of survival of of not getting injured. So if somebody comes sliding in and then you 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 jump over their legs and you go down and there's no physical contact, that that to me it, it, it's fair enough because if you hadn't done and they make contact, there's a, there's a chance they'll break your leg or, or certainly put you you know out for three or four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a bit more on, on Lou Macari because Sir Wyndon um, asks what your thoughts on Macari was. And again, Jason Barry's come in is asking, did you listen to Lou's racehorse tips? So Lou Macari as a coach and then as a, uh, a as a tipster. As a coach, um, he was he was obviously excellent at getting a hold of um, uh, players. Um, his connections and his um, his willingness to work uh, hard and go watching games and, and his connections around football, um, as you can see from the players that, that that played in that team that went on to play in either Division One or Division Two uh, of the of the football league. Um, there wasn't many that didn't, was there? When you when when you look at it, so he got players who was of a better ability than the the level. Uh, that we was playing at, uh, which obviously made a vast difference. He got everybody very, very fit. Um, obviously, we would have liked to have enjoyed training a bit more in terms of like football and 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 uh, the way that um, you know we play some more five sides and stuff like that. Um, but he he got us all. I mean, I wore my spikes out before I wore my football boots out because obviously the track was there. But he got me really fit, and I think that was one of the main things that um, that improved me uh, um, and, st- and stayed with me all, all the rest of my life. So um, I think his his assets were um, his connections, his ability to um, f- from from being a, a bit a big figure to get players to sign for Swindon, who probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, and as a coach. Um, his, his training, his training was not always what we as players would have liked to have done, uh, and it wasn't ever particularly concentrating on improving sort of specific skills or 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 um, individuals in that manner. But he got the right set of players together, and he got them very fit, and he made sure that you know if you didn't if you didn't try. Then you weren't playing, and it was a very competitive thing to stay in the uh, in the, in the team. So it, it, it worked that way for him, and it didn't work that way for him when he went to the likes of West Ham and that because they didn't really um, um, endorse or back the way that that he tried to to run it. I don't think. It's funny because Martin Wheeler asks, did you enjoy Lou's pre-season? Um, I spoke to Alan McLaughlin and Alan also said that uh, he reached for the trainers before the football boots. Yeah, yeah. You, you, 
you, you, tra- you train you train bloody hard. You, you really did. I, when we did three four hundreds, three two hundreds, three one hundreds, most days before we started training, and you was doing them on a stop on, on a on a, a stopwatch because I used to win all the four hundreds. Um, I can't think I won the two hundreds. And I remember John Gittins. He was he was electric over hundred meters. We um, we was right into into it all and, and our uh, times and everything else. And I remember um, Reading had a, a lad. Um, Centre half. What's his name? I think he's the manager at. Um, is it? Um, is he? Keith Curl, and they reckoned he would. He would. Uh, he would beat John, and we was like willing to sort of get all our money together, and 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 they was going to get the money together, and we was going to have a big bet and get John and uh, Keith to to race. It never materialised. It's a shame because I love to. Race. And I, I still I still would have had every penny had on on, on guitar because that last. That last fifteen yards, he just used to like a bit like Usain Bolt, you know, with that that surge, he just couldn't couldn't live with. He used to destroy everybody. But yeah, I can honestly say that I wore my spikes out before my boots. <laughs> and, and finally, again on a, on on Macari, those those horse tips. Did you did you follow them? Yeah, he's brilliant. He was. <laughs> he, he's. If we had a big game coming up. Uh, We'd go to. I remember we went to Marlow. Was it? Uh, was it National Sports um, Centre? And we'd stay. We'd stay there. And uh, Lou would give us a horse. And uh, you know, one of we'd have a big cup game. Southampton, whatever it was, we'd, we'd have a big cup game. And uh, you could bet your bottom dollar um, he'd, he'd give us a winner. And uh, there was a poor bookies in there, just uh, like a one-man outfit. And we'd all go into this this thing and put all these bets on. And the poor guy, twice, I can remember him having to pay us all out. And I used to think, poor guy, like, you know, <laughs> these guys just turned up and, like, you know, cleaned him out for the day. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, Lou, Lou, was, uh, Lou was good on the horses. He knew, he, knew, he, knew, he knew a few people. Yeah, well, I mean, season one, you you arrive in the November and then you, you turn you turn the move permanent and the loan spell you know th- there's no goals in there and, and this is a se- this is a season where Swindon fly from really about the time that you know maybe a month before you join onwards and it's one of the most fondly remembered seasons that you know this generation of supporters have had and you you would you wouldn't be surprised i don't think of the amount of people that still hark back to this time and and you really start kicking in with the goals as well i mean you were definitely contributing you know winking at the crowd and things like that but i mean where does 85 86 in your career rank because it's so it's i mean i i was raised on stories from 85 86 onwards you know those lou mccurry years what what was it like for you as a player especially when your career had not wobbled but you'd had a bit of misfortune it was brilliant because you know every game that we played i thought we was going to win um i felt we had the best team i thought we had a you know a great set of lads um we always like digging in for each other I really enjoyed it. I was, I, I was, I've never been so confident going out on the pitch every week that we was going to win, as I was when, when we was in that, uh, in that era of the, especially the year we got was it 103 points. Um, that was, you just, I, I just defied anybody to beat us. I mean, sometimes we do a well, Coffin did a six mile run on a Thursday, and 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 it take take take. We used to tell Lou, this is no good. He wouldn't listen to us, and uh, so like 
the first half would be a bit stiff like and a bit like we'd be nil nil at half time second half we'd loosened up and everything that they they tired out and our fitness would come through and, and the amount of teams we beat in the second half it was it was it was amazing we just used to just just power over everybody but we, we i mean you know you look at the lads we had that they, they was they was better than that level like and, and when you train with with, with people like that and you, you're playing that if you've got anything about you, you know you've got a good team. You know when you're struggling, and you know when your your players around you are not good lads and not stand up lads and disappear or or get frightened. But we had a good set of lads, and and they they was it was for me um, a, a level above what we was playing against generally. Yeah. Uh, another question here: What was the culture like in the dressing room? What what were the characters? Who were the characters in, during your time at Swindon? Well, we all, we all, virtually all loved about. We used to play. We used to get taken away quite a lot, as you may or may not have known the, the RAF bases and things like that. So uh, there'd be a really quite a um, lively um, card school um, that we play um, um, for, for for good money for for what we was on in them days. And obviously, we, we all liked to bet on the horses. Um, quite quite a lot of us. I was good pals with um, Steve Foley. Um, so we used to uh, pal around, and obviously before Dave Ockaday, I was at Liverpool, I was at Blackpool with him, so he was a good pal. But we all seemed to to get on well. That was a good. I don't think there was anybody really that didn't get on with anybody else in the dressing room because the regime was so tough. It sort of gave you that bit of a a, a bond that we was in it. You know, every day training. Like you know that, that the level that we did, people couldn't believe that you talk, tell the players what the levels of, of running that we did, they would not believe you. You know what I mean? And uh, so we did it, and and we never moaned, but we did moan about it. We never, <laughs> never, never moaned to learn about it, but we, we, we did it, and I think that gave us that that sort of togetherness. Really, I think there was the ability, fitness, and togetherness uh, was uh, was the key, really. Yeah, I mean, Steve Foley was was there when I started watching. Uh, Swindon and he was such a great player but I don't I don't know I mean everybody knows of his you know there are loads of stories about his his, his what he was like behind the scenes but he was so so good and uh, I mean there's all sorts out there about what happened after he retired but just cannot emphasize what a great player he was well I got um charged with Lou for looking after him because he, he um, which was great yeah you can imagine we t- I remember we went out um, we went out uh, with my wife's uh, mum and dad and we took um, Steve and his missus out um, I can't think where it was it wasn't out we used to go out on the cruises no? it was over towards um, Oxford Way some this this restaurant and it was right you know real nice place and everything and you got you got you got stigger like uh there was missus <laughs> and like this my wife's mum and dad's quite like you know nice people and uh like steve's going like for fuck oh, can't, can't no, you can swear, swear you can swear you yeah. can't he's going like effing and jeffing constantly like look at this and i have to, I used to keep saying uh what was the word i used to say to him oh shine i forgot now i'm not um i'll remember it but I used to say, uh, there's one word I used to say to him, and uh, he, he'd, uh, he'd, when he, when he, he, he was swearing like, effing and jeffing like, and everything else, and he'd tell him, yes, yes, yeah, Eti- uh, was it etiquette? Etiquette, yeah. So something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't that that word, but um, 
I'd say that to him, and he'd go, and he'd go yes, 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 all right, oh, so, right, right, right. But, yeah, Lou put, put me in charge of looking after him, which wasn't the greatest thing, because we lived on the, the same estate, little estate up um, Cricklade Way, and um, they had um, um, a Rottweiler dog, and honestly, the bloody dog used to roam the estate, like, and everything. It was just like, Stephen, you can't do this, you know, like, and... It, uh, there's a million stories I could tell you about about the lad, and that I knew people who told me, you know, what happened to him after and everything else. And we saw him at Cheltenham uh, one one uh, one year, not long after the um, um, he'd, he'd finished playing and stuff. But he, he was he was a good lad. He was a good good scouser. But they were scousers from from Wayne really sort of, uh, you know, areas of, of Liverpool. They, that's the way they was. The, the families were what they, what they was. I remember going to the, the wedding and uh, we went to um, to these pubs in um, uh, near Everton's ground and, um, and you, you know, you, you walk in and the doors open and there's like about six people in there. And they're not big places, these, and everybody's like staring at you and like, you know, it's... Um, it stunk of weed, and it was just like you, you can't. It was it was scary. My wife said she was petrified because they were the, the girls went off uh, to these other places, and she, she was she was absolutely petrified. But it was it was scary, scary, scary places. Like they're just like you know mm, who's the, who's that who's that guy? Like I'm thinking like good job was with the, with these lot. But yeah, I was in charge of uh, looking after him for that was that was loser. Lose delegation to me to uh, to make sure I kept, I kept him out of trouble, which I generally did. Well, it's only one way you can get fit is to run, and uh, most days we go out here and we run to start with, and then uh, then we play with the ball. You know, I'm just a little babby at this time, unfortunately, and I think season two would have what you guys achieve is what I always dream of when this happens, that you kick on and you get straight out of uh, the third division and go up. There's so many great moments in here, um, but all the questions are about the final few games, you know, starting with the end of the regular season against Bristol City, of course, and straight in Jason Barry with how scary was it running off during the pitch invasion at Ashton Gate on the last day of 86-87? And did you have an inner smile knowing that you'd stop them getting into the playoffs? It was scary, I've got to be honest with you, because somebody clocked me from yeah. behind. And if you've ever been hit from behind, you, you don't know it coming. It's sort of like it, it knocks you, it knocks you down. And sort of like as I went went down, there was like there was just there was like all around me, and I was thinking like because I, I I wanted to I jumped up to grab the guy who's to see who's a guy who wanted to, I wanted to sort of get stuck into this guy who's uh, who's punched me because that's the way that I was. But then I looked around and thought shit, there's like there's hundreds of them. Um, I, I need to get off this uh, this pitch now. It w- wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Um, but yeah, of course um, the the, the we, you know, person who who last last. Uh, last last loudest, doesn't he? And uh, I, I was I was going on. He was quite scary on the coach getting out there. Actually, it was quite a, a bad atmosphere as stuff getting thrown at the coach and everything else. It was um, it, it was a bit it was a bit naughty actually. Yeah, I mean, just for any Swindon fans that don't know what happens, this is the final day of the season. Um, over nineteen thousand at Ashton Gate. All Bristol City Swindon are already in the playoffs locked in and Bristol City need a win so if 
Bristol City would have won this game and they do take the lead then and it stays that way they go into the playoffs maybe to play Swindon at some point but Peter Coyne scores with about half hour left but I'm pretty sure Joe Jordan misses a penalty as well in this one doesn't he? Penalty, yeah, they missed a penalty. Yeah, and I think I, Fraser saved it actually, but I did. I know that they, they obviously didn't score the penalty. Yeah, yeah, and you know I live in Bristol, and I will tell you now there are there are Bristol City fans of a certain vintage that still have not got over the fact that Swindon didn't lie down and let them take their place in the playoffs, which makes it all the more funnier. Yeah, well, it, it didn't particularly affect us, but we didn't we didn't want to have, want to have to play them again. It, it, ideally, we we fancied our, our chances much more against the uh, the other team, so we wanted to do ourselves a favour and, and, and stop them from from getting through, which which um, which we did. It, it was a tight game, and it could have gone either way a, a number of times, um, but we we managed to uh, to negotiate it. But I was the only stupid bastard in the world who, who, who was the other side of the pitch and everybody's like you know clued in to what's going to happen and uh, and they're all near, near, near the near the dugout and I'm, I'm right the, right the other side I thought no I, I, I just couldn't get, couldn't get off the pitch quick enough and uh, of course sort of somebody sort of come at me from the front then somebody somebody punched me from literally punched me uh, in the head from from behind yeah. so just, I think if that happened these days I don't think it had just been uh, swept under the carpet like like it was no absolutely not and that that footage is online believe it or not it is it is still out there yeah. I, I somebody sent it through to me on facebook or twitter or something <laughs> a, a few a few weeks ago and, and i watched it again and uh, it's quite a little bit it's quite grainy to see but yeah i i, I was i'm not the type to to be scared but when you you sort of like sort of on the floor and there's there's a, there's a few hundred people around you it's not it's not the the pretty antagonistic it's it's not the best situation because uh, you know, however hard you are there's uh, if there's a few hundred of them you're not much chance no not at all well that that set up a a playoff game against Wigan and I think you know I do this podcast so clearly I've got some love for history and I think the Wigan playoff games are criminally ignored because in the first leg we're 2-0 down so early on and we rally I mean we're 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go um, in the first leg and then you you get a goal and then Jimmy Quinn gets a goal and Peter Coyne gets a goal just to give us that advantage but what a game that must have been to be a part of and that really sort of rejuvenate you guys going into what would have been the final against Ginningham. Yeah, I can remember uh, being 2-0 down and thinking like, you know, Jesus, how are these beating us? Um, I can't believe it. Um, I'm sure we was ahead of them in the league. I wouldn't, you know, my, my memory might have uh, be confusing, but I, I didn't think it was a team that we were going to have a lot of, a lot of issues beating. Um, it was... Um, it, it it was a game that turned around, turned like you said fairly fairly uh, in a, a fairly quick period of time in, in that last uh, sort of um, period of, of half an hour, and uh, you know obviously <laughs> we we was pretty pleased. I remember we um, we actually went up to Blackpool and stayed there overnight in the in Pontins, and it, it was bloody freezing. Uh, it was all like trying to like grab track suits to, to sleep in and, and, and it was there was aeroplanes taking off and stuff and it was it was helicopters going over we never got any bloody sleep and uh the um 
and then we went there and anyway you know all all well that ends well yeah and then that sets up what are now iconic games against Ginningham so we lose the first leg 1-0 late on and then in the second leg well I think we fall behind so we're 2-0 down on aggregate but luckily we 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 drag it back to 2-2 and that sets up that game at Selhurst Park where the majority of the questions come from so let's let's see what what listeners have said so Sutton Red says the playoff final at Selhurst Park is the best atmosphere he's experienced uh he wants to know what your memories of that game are Danny Dill also asks is it true that you allegedly threw your boots against the wall in the changing rooms at Selhurst Park after the win against Ginningham and said we were shit and David Acklam says uh did the fact that Colin Greenall was about to become your brother-in-law add any extra spice to the occasion yeah, obviously did add an extra spice to the occasion, but I'd have played against him in the other two games. I can remember in the um, the um, the other two games more vividly than the final for some reason. Um, I remember the goal that they scored at Swindon. The guy hit it as a volley, reminiscent when Dave Mackay scored for Derby, which was like he must have got him from about thirty-five yards, right in the top corner. It was just like, where the hell has that come from? And I was thinking. Jesus, that's that's we're done for here now. We're we're, we're struggling, um, and of course, the way that we were, the the, the the type of team, the type of set of lads, we 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 dragged ourselves out of it somehow. We we just clawed our way back in and and and, and got got a draw. Um, I can't think who who scored. Um, was it Coyne? I can't remember. Um, um, it would have been Charlie Henry and Coyne, yeah. Yeah, um, and. And obviously then the, the final. Um, the final was a bit of a strange game. We always seemed to like we was gonna we was gonna win the game, but it, it, I think you know it was the end of a long, long season. I don't think it was the greatest game from obviously from people who go want to want to watch it. There, it was only the result which would have uh, you know and the, and the atmosphere. But you, know, you just remember the the. The glory and the sort of the the aftermath of it all. Really, sometimes these these days the the hard to the hard to remember because there's such a, a deal on them and and such a uh, a level of, of atmosphere about about the thing and and it, and it it was a it was a big thing, especially with my brother-in-law playing for for um, for uh, for Gillingham because. You know, I didn't want to let them them, them beat us as much as that. I remember Tony Cascarino as well, and uh, there's another lad who played for them, that um, lad, small midfielder who, who was friendly with for them. So I can't remember his name, but yeah, I, I when you knew know a few of their team as well, it, it makes it that bit more. You don't want to lose to them and get get it rubbed out, your nose rubbed in it for for the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that we scored so early on in that game with Steve White really did settle it down for Swindon. But any memories of you chucking your boots across the changing rooms and saying we were shit? I think that's a bit of a, a mess. Somebody's made that one up. <laughs> I think, again, when you put it into modern context, I mean, Dan Cole asks which of the two promotions was your favourite and I would say from my side looking at this I would go with the second one and if you imagine what um, it would have been like on say these games would have been on Sky Sports in modern terms and that Wigan 
turnaround would have been amazing and those games against Ginningham would have been tense and it would have been incredible for you guys in the ground as fans and players and for the fans that couldn't watch it as well they they, they look like real spectacles yeah the, the the game itself might not been good for the neutral but still they, these I mean I don't think I'm I'm overplaying the fact that the Ginningham games are some of the most enjoyed memories or fondest memories for fans even to this day, for those who experienced it, yeah, I, I personally enjoyed the the season before when we were playing Chester, and it was, I think it was like it was us and them uh, quite uh, nip and tuck for who was likely to be, you know, winning the league, and um, and I, I think we we beat them at home quite handsomely. I think it was uh, was it was it was it um, three one or three nil, um, and from that point on. Uh, that 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 was it. We would, um, you know, we'd um, we, we got the league one, I think, and uh, I didn't particularly ever um, really enjoy the, the the playoffs. There was just too too much at stake. There was never never good great games of football, particularly. Um, but I suppose from the um, neutral and from the spectators' perspective, and, and, and obviously yours. The uh, you know the, the fact that like you can be two 0 down um, you know and look like you're going out then you you you're back you're back levels and in front with Wigan and the same thing with Gillingham so you know topsy turvy things up and down it, it makes for all the excitement and and that's great for a spectator me personally as a player um, I enjoyed the season before yeah well, yeah fair enough I mean your third and final season league wise um, it's, it's your best season for Swindon you know I'm never keen to go through each and every game because it's a long time ago and I appreciate that you know you're not going to remember like fans remember games but we have to talk about the Simmered Cup don't we Um, because the semi-final against Luton has one of those absolutely bizarre moments where somebody blows the whistle or blows a whistle in the crowd you think it's the referee and you just sort of like not mess around but you kind of wind down and just take a cynical sort of tap but of course it came from the crowd and had that gone in perhaps Swindon might have made a Wembley final plenty of questions on this both Sutton Red and Audrey wanted to know does that still play on your mind today I mean you played at Wembley after after playing for Swindon so you made it there so that that is as far as a career is concerned that satisfies that but was were you absolutely raging after that I was, I was, I was disappointed. I wasn't raging. It was just a mistake. And I spoke to Les Seeley because one of the reasons I didn't, because he was just went, went, went like with his hands, like, like, well, stop. It's, it's offside. And I spoke to him like after, and he, because, because when I sort of just went to knock it past him, he actually um, kicked it, kicked it back with his, with his. Standing leg, then and, and kicking it like you know when you kick round your standing standing leg, um, so you stand and kick the other side with, with of of, the, of your leg with with kick the ball. Mm. So he he did actually, you know, think it was um, it was offside. So he, had he sort of done that and missed the ball and it just trickled in, then 
he 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 would have done the, the same thing as me. He he thought he thought he, he was offside. But as as I went through, I did think I was offside, and I did hear a, a whistle, and then he goes like that. It was just one of them things. I, I mean, I didn't mean to do it, and you know, you should always play to the whistle. Um, but it, it, it when you see a goalkeeper who's just going like you know, no, it's, yeah, it's offside, yeah. and he 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 genuinely didn't didn't know, didn't know it was not. But he thought it was so. I, 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 you know, what's the point of, of beating yourself up on the, these things? I, I, I was disappointed. Um, I felt bad about it for for the other lads, and and obviously, um, you know, I, in hindsight, I, I shouldn't have done it. But I'm human, and uh, I made a mistake. And, and unfortunately, it, it, you know, it. It. I still could have missed it, couldn't I? You know, even if I'd have gone through. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on. You know, this is you know, he scored forty-seven goals in in a hundred and thirty-seven appearances for Swindon. You did you, you? I mean, I, again, you are one of the most requested members, um, ex-players that I that I get requests for. Um, so Swindon asks, did you have any regrets leaving as Swindon continued to sort of greatest success, or was it out of your hands? Did you want to leave, or were you told now's your time to move on? Because I mean. I wouldn't be particularly happy if we had lost a player who'd scored 18 goals that season. I would have been more than happy to uh, have kept you on, for example. Well, no, no, nobody came and, and offered us a contract. I mean, not at any time did anybody come and speak to me about 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 staying. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the one thing I, I didn't like about Lou was he kept us all on 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 uh, money that he, he, he thought that you wanted to keep you on as little as you can because you need to win and that wasn't the case I never ever went and, and played for a game to try more because there was, there was money on it it didn't ever ever enter my head um, and I thought that I'd done very well for the club um, for the money that they got me for and for the value they had out of me and me, Chris Kamara and Jimmy Quinn Felt that we needed to go to to, to to get the money that 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 we should have got. We should have been offered that money um, in at, at Christmas, the um, uh, uh, you know of that of that year, or, or getting towards um, you know certainly um, March April. But nobody come and come and offered me anything. And then um, I had West Brom, um, Watford, and a couple of other clubs. Can't remember who they were. Um, Speaking to me about what what terms he's going to offer me, and um, Watford offered me offered me good money, um, a lot you know a lot lot more than I was on at Swindon. So I decided to sign for them, and then the day I was signing for them, um, Dave Ockaday Dave Ockaday came down to see me and said uh, Lou said to go in and see him, and I said no, tell him to go fuck himself. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, he's, he's you know he's he's coming offer me a contract now and. I said I'm, I'm going to Watford. That's it. I said I've, you know, I've, I've, I've seen my ass now because uh, you know I'm not, I'm not getting treated like that. So I don't That's know why. Action. I really don't know why uh, we didn't. Uh, I don't know what happened with Chris. I don't know what happened with Jimmy Quinn. Um, but nobody ever come and offered me a, a, a penny to uh, for a contract to stay. Nobody ever came at all. And it was a good few weeks, you know, into the summer after we, we finished. You know, I, I just found it found it very odd seems to be quite common where they 
they do that not necessarily just at Swindon and then just at the last moment you know when when the ink is dry elsewhere sometimes they've, they've done all the stuff I mean even as recent as the 2000s Billy Painter um, was telling me that he went up spoke to Leeds there was nothing really that he could accept from Swindon and then you know he's just signed for Leeds and he gets a new contract offer in the post from Swindon like the day after the day he he decided to leave and it just seems like that sort of brinksmanship doesn't it which you know does nobody favors and it's like after three seasons you know the least they can do is talk to you and just say that there's going to be something just hold fire or there's not going to be anything well i believe um uh, after we us three left um the lads did get looked after and the they took the um the dealing over the financial side of things um away from lou and gave it to um Financial director, who I can't forget his name, small guy, blonde um, He was all right, he was, a, he was a nice guy, but I can't remember his name. Um, and so all the lads got looked after, but it took three of us to, to go to to show them, you know, we shouldn't have happened, um, I don't think. Um, we shouldn't We shouldn't have had to, to, to go. We should have been offered, um, you know, the sort of money that we was offered elsewhere because... We'd done well. We'd done well for the clubs, and if the if the club couldn't pay it, they could say this is as, as the best deal we can put together for you. If you can get, you go to a, you know a bigger, wealthier club, or you, you, your desire is to to play for a club that that I suppose you know people would have thought Swindon wouldn't have done what what what, what they did. But we did have such good players. You know what I mean? I said that right right the way through. There's lads there that I I thought was as good as, as good as I played because I, I played in every I played in every 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 division. So I I have played in a lot of different managers. I've seen a lot of players. So I knew right from the from the outset we, we had we had good players there. And there's no doubt about it. And we had a good work ethic and we had a good set of lads. That goes a long way. It goes a long way. Kelly is only a couple of yards away, but Digby manages to push it one-handed onto the bar. What follows next is a several years in the second tier with Watford, Stoke and Hull City. I remember, of course, you scored an own goal um, for Swindon while playing for Stoke City and you scored a winner, I think, against us. Well, you certainly scored in a game for Hull where where you guys beat us. Dan Cole asks quite uh, well. Dan Cole asks, on his returns to the county ground with your other teams, did you enjoy the Where's Your Caravan chant? Football fans, eh? Well, the first time I heard that was away at Leeds, actually, uh, when I was playing for Swindon. So yeah, I uh, I did en- I did enjoy that. Uh, um, on my was it my thirtieth or my fortieth? We're not sure. My fortieth or fiftieth birthday, um, the um, my my. The, my pals all got this uh, this caravan and then basically put it on my front garden and smashed it uh, smashed it up and put all took the, put the uh, punches in the in the in the wheels so I couldn't get rid of it and uh, and then when when we had the party which well they did it while I was having the party which wasn't far from my from my house and I uh, went back and there's this bloody caravan there like because like all the, 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 the that was the thing that was a, I used to laugh about the fact. Uh, they used to sing "Where's Your Caravan," you know, with the, with the fire and, uh, and everything else. So, yeah, it, it was amusing. It was amusing. <laughs> I think you're um, when when the Swindon fans liked you. By that, I mean when you played for Swindon. Um, the the La, La Bamba, wasn't it? Was was your chant? Yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> that's not too bad. Yeah, I'm, 
it's, it's fine. It's, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, it, was, it was good. I, listen, I loved my time at Swindon. I, I, I absolutely, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to, you know, to have lived down that way. I, I did enjoy. Um, I, I love the area. I love, I love being near near Cheltenham. I loved um, near, you know, all that that the scene, the, the you know the the Downs area and everything else. I, I love it being around Lambourne and going to Marlborough and playing golf there and everything else. But you know, being footballers, we we, we, we get we get moved on or or we move up move on. And um, but I have to say. Um, Blackpool and, and Swindon was my my, my you know my, my, I, I still live in Blackpool so my two fondest places uh, by far and, and, and we, we my daughter was born in Swindon um, so we, we, we loved loved it Swindon we really did that's that's really nice to hear especially when you consider what you achieved at Blackpool in your second spell where you are at like a Hall of Famer um, and you had that real obstacle because in your first season you have a wonderful year but of course. Sadly, you missed the penalty at Wembley, but we won't talk about that too much because a year later you have to do exactly the same again. And I was wanting to know what what that, what's that like because you have the sort of the ghosts of the year before, and then you go back, you score in normal time, and then you guys win the penalty shootout. I need to know as well: were you down to take the fifth? No. <laughs> I, I was never down to take any of the penalties um, in in the first game. The uh, first game when we played, when I missed, I actually did miss a penalty. Sudden death, wasn't it? I've been injured. Um, uh, excuse me, I've been injured for, um, for for a while. I did I did a hamstring. I've been out for six weeks. So play, I played there. Played extra time. I was absolutely shattered. It was it gone very very cold by then. I've been sit, sat about for probably 15 minutes and the manager had not realised that the third goalkeeper had picked the ball up scored a goal and it was for us to, us to, us to, to go and I'm saying we need somebody needs to go and take the penalty so I'm saying to uh, Trevor Sinclair who went on played for England Trevor come on you strike a ball well go and take it no I'm not taking it so to David Ers who went on took penalties for I think Burnley and Preston great left foot uh, and I said to Alan Wright come on Wrighty you strike a good ball Go and take it. He went playing for Villa and and, and stuff, and, and they all walked away. So I said, if somebody's going to miss it, it might as well be me, which was never the right <laughs> way to take a penalty. And as I was taking the penalty, I saw the guy diving the way that I was putting it. So instead of like just knocking it back the other way into the other side, my my, my brain wasn't wasn't really functioning. I I brought my body up even further to put it right in the corner. But I didn't actually mean to put it right in the corner flag. Uh, so anyway, so obviously I, I was quite nervous when we um, when we, we we went to penalties. But I, I, sc- I scored a goal uh, at Wembley in uh, in open play, and there's not many people can, can, can uh, you know that many people can can say that. So it's something that I'll, I'll treasure for for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I do not blame you. Okay. I mean, apologies. I whiz through this, but you know, I, I could quite happily talk all night about entire careers, but I do need to uh, snip it where and then. So we're going to wrap up with some Swindon related questions, if that's okay with you. Sure thing. Okay. So G Busson says, who was your favorite Swindon town strike partner? Um, Quinny. Yeah. I, like I said to you, I was good, good, good friends with Steve Foley, uh, Dave Ockaday. Um, uh, I was closer to probably probably them. Quinny, we'd go and play golf. Uh, Colin Caldwood, uh, you know, we'd, we'd we'd knock about together and, and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, you, you, 
you, you, we all got on, but you, you obviously have the lads that you, you, you're more more friendly with, or you go for a drink with more, or you, which wouldn't be very often because you, you couldn't train the next day because it was <laughs> it was too hard. Uh, it'd have to be a Saturday. Um, um, the lads that lived away, uh, Chris Ramsey lived away. Um, you know, a few lads away, so you didn't see that much of them. But got on great with everybody. You know what I mean? Seriously, well, we we all got on well. We was good banter, good piss taking, uh, just you know, step everything. We was a good, we was a good, good set of lads, really. Because you, you don't always get a good set of lads. I've been at places, and some some guys, so you'd be some right, and you know, other places where it, it, it you know, I, I I got on great, and and that was one of the. The uh, the few places where everybody was was good lads, in my opinion. And I mean, Jimmy Quinn was next level good, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, 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 what what Jimmy had, uh, he had quick feet. He had very small feet actually, uh, very quick feet, and he struck a ball with no back lift. So bang, he was past the keeper before uh, before they realised it because he didn't he didn't take anything of a uh, of a back lift. Um, he was a bit lazy, but um, he was he was worth it because he was he was a, he was a great finisher. Yeah, uh, I think you've already a- answered Leap's question throughout your time at Swindon. You had a lot of competition up front. Did you all get along well? But it sounds like you did. We did, yeah. I, I mean, I used to argue with Lou because he he he, put, he wouldn't put me a centre forward. And I keep telling him, "Look, I'm 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 the best centre forward here, and I should be playing centre forward." Uh, but he he had he had different opinions at times. But I think it came round in the end that he did play me play, play me at centre forward for 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 it was the, the last season. I think I played it uh, mostly uh, all all the time. But uh, initially, he was wanting me to get up and down that bloody right hand side, and I'd not been used to running uh, <laughs> running back, backwards after we'd. Uh, I'd have them up screaming at me, get back, get back. And I'm thinking like, you know, I've just had a shot at goal. I'm due a rest now. Um, <laughs> so it was a different it was a different thing to do to get to up down that right hand side. But uh, Dave Ockaday used to shout me back. So, yeah, it was good. So Wyndon asks, um, Town enjoyed so many classic evenings such as Chester at home, various Sibbard Cup successes, Norwich away in the FA Cup, Wigan playoff. Selhurst Park against Ginningham and then there were the other games like the Newcastle away game which is now infamous in, in Swindon yeah. history shall we say I mean he does ask what we, I mean was there anything about that Newcastle game or was it just one of those things um, I don't know um, Gaza played like God um, I've never seen Cammy got a run around uh, by anybody really and, and, and he just he just he just destroyed Cammy. He really did. Um, scored that trick. Um, I think we trained quite a long time on the Friday, and um, the the pitch when we got out on Newcastle's pitch. I, I kid you not. In in the section of it, you, you, your foot went down probably you know past you know it went it went well past your boot through the mud. It was it was it was so heavy. It rained and rained and rained there. Um, but yeah, we just didn't uh, we just didn't perform on the day. They were a good team. The noise was deafening. It, it was incredible, and um, you know we was like laughing about this Gaza with his Mars bars and these bottles of Nuki Brown. <laughs> Thought you know we'll, we'll destroy this lad, little fat that he is, and uh, and he, he he killed us. He, he absolutely destroyed us. I remember um, going to tackle him uh, near our. Um, 
I think it was it was it near our goals or their goals, and all he did is just boot the ball into my shins and it went out for a goal for a goal kick and he just goes ah and then just in the face and just ran off and I'm going like <laughs> nut job. So that 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 was him. He was just he was just off. I, I, he, he was friendly with Paul Stewart and he he's, he used to come over to Blackpool with him because Paul Stewart lived uh, in in in, um, in Blackpool and uh, obviously they was at Spurs together. They used to come up and without drinking with him. He was balmy. Well, he is balmy. <laughs> um, final couple here. So, 4D has a few questions. He says he's looking for the your favourite town game you played in, the most memorable goal you scored, and the best player you came up against as a Swindon player. Well, I did say to you that Chester game was, which somebody mentioned, was a great game. I can remember uh, Chelsea beating Chelsea at home um, in in the cup, the Norwich away game where I scored two, obviously. From my perspective, that you know, and us, us knocking them out because I think they was in the top league then, wasn't they? I'm sure they was. Remember, Ralph Fox was it on the right hand side, and they was it in the bar, and it was the Alamo for the last like 15 minutes and just hanging on. And uh, um, they, they was great games. Um, what was the the other question? Um, the, memorable goal. I think um, I remember scoring a header against Fulham away, and um, I I sort of. It was a corner, and it was just a straightforward header, basically from but from around the penalty spot. But I remember, like, I jumped for it, and I was like, I felt like I was just so high, and I just proper thundered it like straight off off the head and straight into the top corner. And uh, it was just one of them sort of times where you felt it was like Michael Jordan. You just was just in the air and, and hanging above everybody else. It just it just one of them great. Uh, great feelings where you meet something just as you really ultimately could, could do. You couldn't get any higher. You couldn't hit, head it any better. It couldn't go in the, in the corner any, any, anymore. Um, and, and obviously there's more in, goals that are more important, but in terms of actually um, a goal that I enjoyed, um, that, that was probably it. And the, the best player sounds like Gascoigne. Yeah. Um, you'd... you'd you know, he, he, he destroyed us that day. Um, I remember playing against, um, me and Jimmy played against um, Middlesbrough. It was um, the two lads, Mowbray and uh, Pallister. And I think we had, we had the best of them at, um, at Middlesbrough. I think, we, I think we beat them. I think I, I scored Ed on a, um, I think me, me and Jimmy scored away there. I think we beat them. And then we played them here. And uh, I remember playing against Pallister and, and I was like, God, I can't get the better of this guy. I can't believe it. Anyway, obviously, you know, he went on from there to play for Man United and, you know, he he, he did show himself to be, you know, a bit, a bit better than just a, you know, an average second division uh, uh, centre-half, didn't he? He, he, was, <laughs> he was very good. Um, so, yeah, in terms of somebody I played against, he, he the second time, or what, what was incredibly di- difficult to play against. Keith Curl was another one. He was so very difficult to play against um, so I would say in terms of the best player Gaza in terms of the most difficult opponent, opponent probably Pallister Keith Curl I didn't used to play like playing against uh, them. Lovely and the final question is, is my regular closing question is when you close your eyes and you think of Swindon Town in your in your Swindon career what are the things that pop up immediately? Um, winning running just a good set of lads, lovely area to live, um, nice time of my life, daughter being born, um, just a, a very enjoyable time. Dave, thank you very much.
You're welcome. No problem. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.